This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Larissa Moore. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Wednesday the 4th of August. In your Squiz today, changing vaccine priorities, the Taliban gains ground, no more paying for payphones, and dancing for your brain. This is your Squiz today. We've had benchmarks, horizons and targets, Claire, but the pathway to getting Australians out of lockdown and through to some sort of normalcy will all come down to vaccination rates. And yesterday, the Prime Minister showed just how he's come to the vaccination thresholds that will form that pathway by releasing the modelling that's guiding the National Cabinet on this. We'll unpack it now, but in brief, when 70% of Australians have the jab, it's likely we'll have fewer lockdowns. And when 80% of people have the jab, we could see borders reopening. Take us through it. Australia will have the capacity to get to that 70% rate by the 1st of November and 80% by late November, the Prime Minister said yesterday. So that is a bit of a timeline now on exactly what it'll take to get to that rate of vaccination. Uh, When Australia reaches those milestones, uh, we will not need those stringent lockdowns is the general principle of the thing. And that's according to the Doherty Institute that did that modelling. When we look at sort of 50 to 60% vaccination rates, what the model shows is that it's very difficult to control COVID. So lockdowns and restrictions and all of those things that we've come to know are still required. 70% though doesn't mean complete freedom. There's still social distancing and capacity limits at venues, but it still means that we're able to get out and about and, as you say, move into what we're sort of talking about as COVID normal. And so far, the vaccination rollout has focused on older Australians who are, of course, those most at risk of serious illness and death from COVID. But what the modelling now is also suggesting is that the rollout needs to change priorities and focus now on younger people. And that's because they're the key transmitters. They're the key transmitters and also uh, when you look at the shape of the vaccination rates, older Australians and more vulnerable Australians are starting to get covered off in quite large numbers. Uh, There's still some way to go there, but pivoting to look at younger Australians, those under 40, is what needs to be done, Professor McVernon from the Doherty Institute said yesterday. So that is the next phase of the program looking through September and October. Even when all of that's done, that older Australians are covered off, younger Australians are getting through their vaccinations, we're still going to have to learn how to live with COVID. With 70% vaccination rates, uh, what Paul Kelly, the Chief Medical Officer yesterday, said is that there's still going to be deaths and there's still going to be cases and we have to learn how to cope with that. It would be similar to the levels of a bad flu outbreak at that rate. If we look at countries who have achieved that 70% vaccination rate, that's UK and Israel, the US is around 60%. Still on news here at home and the suitability of Crown Resorts to hold a casino licence has been the ongoing subject of a Royal Commission in Victoria. 
While the Royal Commission is yet to be wrapped up, two big names will be exiting, and that's Melbourne CEO Xavier Walsh and Executive Chair Helen Coonan. Yeah, there's been some pressure mounting on them as evidence before that Victorian Royal Commission uh, was heard. Uh, what the lawyer assisting that commission recommended was that those two go, uh, and that's what happened yesterday. Uh, what that Royal Commission is really focusing on is these well-aired allegations around money laundering, around links to organised crime. Uh, and in Victoria, there was evidence suggesting that Crown had tried to dodge a tax bill. So that's why they're moving on. Uh, looking west, there's a Royal Commission into Crown there too. It holds the state's only casino licence. They're looking into those allegations as well. And what it heard yesterday is that the company failed to investigate a lot of those allegations when they were made back in 2014, that they've only been doing that in recent times when all of these inquiries kicked off. Still a fair way to run on these. Victoria's Royal Commission's final report is due on the 15th of October. Perth's is due in March next year. Over to Afghanistan now, and the Taliban continue to gain ground. They've been seizing territory there since the US withdrew most of its troops, something that was to have happened by September, but has actually happened a whole lot sooner. Now, the president of Afghanistan is saying that the withdrawal of those US troops has been too sudden, and it's this that's to blame for the resurgence of the Taliban. Yeah, President Ashraf Ghani, who has been working very closely with the United States to try and keep stability in the country, yesterday really lashed out. He said that uh, that withdrawal of US troops really has been responsible for the country's rapid descent into mayhem with the Taliban seizing that territory. Looking at reports overnight, apparently there are thousands of people fleeing from Lashkagar, which is one of the southern provincial capitals. Uh, and what the army has recommended is that civilians get out of that area as government forces and the Taliban go head-to-head and in some really nasty scenes. The United Nations is warning of an impending humanitarian disaster there. Back home now and far from being obsolete, up to 11 million calls are made on payphones in Australia each year. And now Telstra has announced that they'll be making local and national calls free. No more searching for coins, Claire. I was really staggered to see that 11 million calls are made Mm. from payphones. It wasn't that long ago that there were 36,000 of these payphones around the country. There's now 15,000 of them. And what the Telstra boss, Andy Penn, said yesterday is that quite a large number of calls from those payphones are to critical services like 000 or Lifeline. So it was important to keep the services up and running, uh, but making them free is about a $5 million hit to the company and they're happy to take that cost. I remember they were also used a fair bit during the bushfire as well when mobile service was down. Exactly right. An important function. You will still have to pay for overseas calls, but you will need to tap for that. The phones will be completely coinless from October 1. And for those following gymnast Simone Biles' Olympic journey, she's taken home bronze in the balance beam final, her only individual event after pulling out of several events last week for the sake of her mental health. 
She was expected to take home six gold medals by many people who closely follow gymnastics. In the end, she pulled out halfway through that team all-around event uh, and many others. She just had the beam to go and she said that she was happy to do that and she did it for herself, not for anyone else or for any other reason, uh, but that there's still some things that she has to work out. She's not quite sure why she got the twisties, uh, which is that mental block that's left her physically incapable of doing some of those great big twists Mm. and great big jumps and moves that she's renowned for. She says her mental and physical health is better than any medal. And even if you don't have the moves of a Simone Biles or any of the Olympians that we've been seeing, getting up and moving your body, doing a little dance is not only good for shaking the cobwebs out, it's good for your brain health. I can guarantee you, Larissa, when I do my <laughs> Cliff Young shuffle <laughs> that I like to call jogging, it's definitely not Olympian <laughs> standard. Uh, but what a new study says is that it's good for your white matter and that's the stuff that connects and supports the cells in your brain. Uh, This new study also says that it's not something that you need to necessarily start in younger age, although of course staying fit in in all parts of your life is definitely Mm. something that the Uh, medicos recommend uh, you can pick up exercise and it can actually help your memory uh, as you age so there you go get up and have a boogie or a run or a slow jog whatever it is (laughs) a shuffle a shuffling's good (laughs) (laughs) squiz the day claire what are you keeping an eye on today Peter Bowl in the 800 metres at the Olympics. That's on at 10.05 tonight. Yeah. It's an incredible story. He is a Perth guy. He moved with his family from Sudan at a young age and he's just a superstar So and a real medal hope apparently. So it's a good one to watch. It's a great story. It's one of the great things about the Olympics is getting to know these people and their stories and obviously watching their sporting achievements. For me, today is the anniversary of the invention of champagne by Dom Perignon. Well, that's a good day, isn't it? Great day. All the way back in 1693. So many thanks to Mr. Perignon for that. (laughs) Stay tuned for the Tokyo Sprint. That'll have you across the latest Olympic news in just a few minutes. That's all from us. We'll be back with you tomorrow. message now from our podcast partner, BHP. Across the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking to Squizzers about BHP and the work they're doing to provide the materials that we need to transition to a low emission economy for the energy transition. At the start of the podcast, you heard how copper is used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. So when it comes to producing it, reducing emissions is a priority. And that's why BHP is making solar, wind and battery deals to help power their South Australian Olympic Dam copper mine. It's happening now at BHP.